Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. We have Kathleen Lynham on the program today talking about getting corporate culture right. We are actually going to be discussing an article that came out in the MIT Sloan Management Review entitled 10 Things Your Corporate Culture Needs to Get Right. These items apply to pretty much all industries, although we will tailor today's discussion as we always do to healthcare. Kathleen Lynham, our guest today, is executive coach and senior advisor with the Healthcare Experience Foundation and a registered nurse with many years of experience. Welcome back to the show, Kathleen. Hey, Casey. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, let's dive right into it. Right now, I mean, it's always an important issue, but it seems even a little bit more important now than ever before. Why is it so important? for organizations to make corporate culture a priority? That's a good question. And I I agree with you. Having the right culture has been an important part of a healthy, sustainable work environment for a long time. But now, as you're referencing, especially since the pandemic and in the last six months, we've seen this resulting wave of great resignations, um, tremendous amount across the continuum, if you will, not just in healthcare, in every industry, it's become even more critical that leaders and organizations who are struggling to understand what's going on and what they can do differently, they must take an open, honest look at their culture and recognize it's having one of two effects. Their culture is either drawing people in and creating new levels of engagement and building loyalty or contributing to this huge trend of driving people out. Absolutely. And it's incumbent upon leaders to figure out what side of that spectrum their organization falls on, I would suggest. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Each one of us have to kind of, uh, especially in an executive role, think about it and take the time. And, you know, we work in our organization and healthcare experience foundation. That's, that's basically the foundation of what we do is help people examine the elements of their culture and what's contributing to making it healthy and what's driving engagement and, and loyalty, yeah. Not, you know, because it has a ripple effect on your customers, your patients, uh, the, the quality of the work environment makes a big difference on everything, work productivity, um, the, the pride that people take in it, and ultimately, in uh, it's cost-effective. It's the right thing to do. Along those same lines, what defines a good or a healthy workplace culture? What, what, would you, what words would you put together to uh, explain that one? Well, you know, let me take a moment and share a simple definition of culture. A culture is a way of life for a group of people. It's behaviors, the beliefs, the values, and if you will, the symbols that they accept generally without thinking about them. And they're passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. 
So when we talk about culture in a organization, we talk about what are the stories you tell and share with others about how, how things are done around here. So a healthy culture is one where the people, and that's the people from frontline staff to managers and leaders, feel that they're connected to some important work, some work that serves a value, and that they are value appreciated and even rewarded for their contributions. Finally, their input is sought by their leaders. And so a healthy culture is really about how work gets done and the environment in which work gets done and the environment that encourages people to be healthy, feel healthy, and give their best at work every day. So how is culture connected to important things like retaining great employees? Well, when I think about it, I think about, remember, for me, I'm Irish, so we are always about stories. We're about making a point through stories. And so if you think about it, if a new person is on board and they ask a question and they hear from someone else, no way, don't open your mouth during staff meetings, don't open your mouth during town halls, you'll pay for it later, you can get the impression and you understand employees who may have great ideas or suggestions will more than likely seek employment elsewhere. Or worse than that, they may never reach their own potential and become disengaged, which is not only bad for them, but for their peers, their customers, and healthcare for our patients. We know that negative energy is really hard to overcome, and it's much more contagious than optimistic or positive energy. And I reflect back when I was a chief nurse officer many years ago in New York, our hospital pulled together during one of the worst snowstorms ever. And right after that snowstorm, there was a tragic car accident. And on that icy day, everyone in the administrative suite, we went down to the ER and we were working side by side with the emergency room staff and the radiologist and the rad techs were up. The Our physicians were down there. Now, this not only benefited the staff, the patients, those families. I mean, we were working side by side with pastoral care, but we saw evidence months later, we had a critical joint commission visit and everybody knows the tension and the stress that goes on there. Well, it was a Friday afternoon. They were in consult, the joint commission and our manager and leaders, we told them to go home. It was already four o'clock. We didn't know if we would get results till later that night. Instead, the managers, the directors all joined us. They ordered pizza, brought pizza in and sat in our administrative suite up the whole hallway. And we all waited together till 8 p.m. That culture retained people. We retained staff and we took pride in that. And so things like that, where we have relationships that are solid and we have people recognized and valued for what they do, those are the elements of a really healthy culture that need to be shared, championed, promised, and um, and certainly uh, displayed prominently so that people know this is a good place to work. That is a great story to explain the, the real benefits from for a long-term standpoint um, when you do establish great culture and, and how how the the you know, retaining great employees, which is seems like the holy grail of many organizations right now, even beyond healthcare, how it can be done through 
a commitment to culture. So I really appreciate that story. Well, and you know, and you remind me, um, and again, I always simplify everything, but if you will, great cultures equal great conversations, equal great relationships. Um, and Judith Glazier, a wonderful researcher who has passed, I think in the last few years, um, she wrote a book, Conversational Intelligence. Oh, I would recommend everyone read that book, but you know, she talks about everything. If you want to pursue the best culture, then you need to pursue relationships. And in order to have good relationships, you've got to look at the conversations you're having. And so, you know, when we read this study that was done and um, that we're referencing here, you know, it really comes back to the elements that matter are relationships between staff and their leaders and staff and, and their executives. So it sounds so simple, but it's so, so hard and so important to do. And what would be some signs that your company's culture, your institution's culture, your hospital's culture might need some improvement? Well, there's a lot of red and yellow flags out there. First, I would look at complaints to HR. You know, what are the issues that come to HR about unfairness in the workplace or disruptive behaviors or um, the way people are being treated? I think that that is a trend that should be looked at by an executive team all of the time. Um, two major uh, survey instruments are employee engagement scores. And for us in hospitals, it would be our patient experience scores. I'm, I serve as a coach um, throughout the country in different organizations. And I'm, in a little while, I'll be going on a call with physician uh, a hospital, a very large hospital, and their physician engagement scores are very, very low. And I'm talking below the 10th percentile around the country. I guarantee you that that is not in isolation, that the patient experience and the employee are all very low. Um, you know, in, in our world today, we need each other to lift each other up, to raise each other up, to help each other. And so looking at your scores globally, I would also look at, you know, an organization's participation event in not only social things, but volunteered things, you know, or do people show up for stuff? Do you have town halls? Um, what are your vacancy rates? Does it reflect on one position in particular? Is it one role or is it one person? I, I thought interesting in this study that was out, you know, we all know forever that the reason, the basic foundation reason of, uh, an individual leaves their job is that their frontline boss does not value them, respect them, give them, you know, give them their due, if you will. That's because of the influences of that that direct line supervisor. And that's been proven. But when it comes to uh, corporate culture, I love that they say employees assign more of the credit or blame to the C-suite, you know? And so that's why there's a responsibility, you know, forever it's been about, you better fix your employee engagement. And now executives have to recognize that they've got a role model, especially the values that they espouse that are so important, respect, trust, continuous learning. They have to live it, role model it, and, and demonstrate it in their own circle in order to it really filter through down to an organization. I hope that answered your question. Above and beyond, as is typical with your responses, very thoughtful, a lot of really great takeaways for our listeners there. And I want to jump here to the next question that might be 
Another tough one. So the role of leadership is so important in building the company culture, I would imagine. So can you discuss a little bit more about the the importance of the leader's role in all of this? Yeah, I'd love to. And this um, this study that we're re- referencing, um, which everyone I believe should read, and I know you're going to highlight that and just tell them where to get that. Um, if you will, for somebody that's been doing executive coaching for 12 years and working on cultures and organizations around the country for a long time, none of this is surprising. None of this is really new. The leader, a supportive leader as defined by staff is someone who, you know, helps a leader that kind of jumps in and helps them with their work. You know, we've, we've been doing a lot of work with travelers and, you know, what, makes a traveler nurse, which are used everywhere around the country now, decide to stay. And they'll say, oh, it's about the leader. If they jump in and recognize, hey, they're new to this place, they may need a little assistance and offer encouragement, having their backs. Supportive leaders are so needed. Now, sadly, what we've seen is leaders are so, if you will, immersed in the in the struggles and the challenges of trying to get more staff in, of trying to look at the big picture, that it's really hard sometimes to remember you've got to take care of the people who are with you first, appreciate them, support them, recognize them, lift them up every way you can. Uh, another interesting but not surprising one was leaders that live core values. You know, we've done work before where we've asked people, what's the most important thing about your leader that influenced you the most? And we give them examples like that they're competent, that they're experts in their area, that they've got 25 years experience. And number one, time and time again, research, it comes out that they role model they, they're, they're congruent. Their words and actions are congruent with what our values say. So if respect and compassion are part of our values, then a leader demonstrate that with their staff, you know, and understanding compassionate care when somebody is struggling between managing their kids in homeschool or remote virtual learning and getting to work on time. That kind of understanding and empathy is important. Um, This study also confirmed, again, what we know, toxic managers need to be addressed. So often we're in the world now of there's just a body filling the spot. I needed somebody in that role forever that we don't recognize that just a body does not help if it's a toxic, if it's you know, what someone's described as um, so negative, undermining, not supported, unethical, and in many cases, just abusive and, um, you know, perhaps shows nepotism. All of that really, really um, makes a difference. And those kind of, you know, the, the, the values and the things we want to see and don't want to see in leaders, they have Um, the most effect on people staying. And that's why we can do something about this great resignation if each and every leader in organizations around the country, around the world, owned the scope of their influence and what they can do to support their staff. Yeah, that's huge. The word unethical there really stands out. That is like, especially when you're talking about delivering healthcare, that is I mean that that can be extremely problematic and I really appreciate that that thorough response there definitely caught my ear. Now, 
when we talk about respect going along with all of this conversation, where do you land on ensuring employees feel respected? Right. Um, And again, you know, I've seen this in years of studying engagement scores, feeling respected is a driver in employee engagement. And sure enough, in this, in this recent study, respect is not only the most important factor, I think they say, but it's like uh, above others by almost 18 times as more important. And so the interesting thing about respect, Casey, is if I asked you to write down, you know, what does respect look like to you? Um, it may be very different than it does to your wife or your boss or um, or a colleague. And, and in healthcare, we've struggled that with that for a long time because one of the questions in our national study on patients' experiences that the nurse or the doctor were you know provided me with courtesy and respect. Well, if I defined respect, I would say, please knock on the door before you come in, introduce yourself, you know, sit down make eye contact. But for uh, employees, it's the same way. It's it's different for everyone, but there's some universal things. Besides the obvious of someone seeking someone's input or asking their advice that I respect your opinion, it's um, it's hearing, uh, hearing how we talk about each other. In fact, again, I'm working with another group of physicians and the nursing component of this organization does not feel that they are respected by their physicians. And it comes down to the language that they use that, you know, they don't, um, they refer to them as them or they, and not we as part of a team. And so some of the obvious things are, you know, lack of respect is not, I'm not acknowledged when I come in the room or in the hall, no use of my proper name, not following up on a request or a question. And again, I'm talking about leaders. You walk into a room, you don't say hello to right people. You're walking in the hall. You don't acknowledge the people around you. That can be perceived as disrespectful. Um, and so one of the things that you know just thrills me and I love doing is we work with organizations in teams, departments. We work with executive staff. And I've done this with many, many department leaders. I did it with my own staff a hundred years ago when I was a nurse manager. We help them create non-negotiables or always behaviors. So we talk about the foundation of a good team is good communication, competency, trust, and respect. And so then we have everyone in the staff write down what does respect look like? What does lack of respect look like? And then we agree that we will not demonstrate those lack of respect behaviors, and we call them non-negotiables. And then the important part is helping people hold each other accountable. And so um, it's it's important that each leader think about, you know, and even ask the question. I would encourage managers or directors to put in their staff op, uh, staff department, you know, meeting rooms, you know, what does respect look like in this organization, in this department? What is um, trust look like? And what does lack of truck, trust and lack of respect look like? So we sort of become to be more familiar with what's important to each other. We know what the diverse work population, um, be, between the diverse age and ethnicity, it's important to recognize we all demonstrate things differently. And so we can kind of create these common language and common expected behaviors, which will help you know, elevate the level of respect and trust and communication in an organization, which leads to a healthier culture. 
we have to talk about it. It's compensation, benefits, job security. These elements are really important to the overall picture. And so can you speak to what the role of specifically compensation benefit and job security, what role does that play in the overall company culture? Well, you know, as a nurse, we learned long ago in Maslow's theory of hierarchy about the fundamental needs, safety and um, benefits. And, you know, you've got to be able to have a house and provide for somebody. So uh, without a doubt, um, security and benefits are important. I want to make a little differentiating, but in attracting the right people and keeping those people, they're not the drivers. They're not the elements that keep me going. And drivers for engagement are things that I kind of have an emotional connection to and I feel loyal and I'm going to give that discretionary effort. They're not what keep people there. And so for some who are struggling to basically you know, meet Maslow's hierarchy and provide for their family, they may have to go to where the to where the better compensation is and the better benefits. Certainly with healthcare today, we know it, it drives decisions. And so it's you have to be, you know, we used to say as long as you're competitive, you know, and you're not lagging behind, focus on other things. So, you know, it may be the ability to keep good people. It goes much further than salaries and benefits. And I love what they talk about with the perks, you know, while you're on that, because the perks are interesting. You know, I think about my perks when we were in the midst of blizzards, we'd give out blizzard coupons for our security drivers that went out and picked out nurses. We'd go give them a special thank you coupon for, you know, dinner at the cafeteria or something like that. And, you know, we used to give, if you came in on a blizzard or whatever the circumstance, then you got free meal for that breakfast or lunch or whatever your main meal is. And I got chuckled at in that report, it was saying among the amenities mentioned, coffee truly is the central perk with discounted coffee rated over 90% of the time. So that kind of cracked me up. But in healthcare in the world today, if you're working, you need your coffee. Um, And I love that if you provide perks, we like them. We think they're good and we're going to tell you, keep doing it. If you don't provide perks, eh, it's not a deal breaker. And so I think that's kind of an interesting thing for all of us. It's not, you know, it goes down to, it's not about the fluff and not that perks are important. It's about the people. It's about the relationships. It's about the authenticity of caring about your employees, caring about your product, caring about your patients, that common vision and mission that make a big deal. Healthcare Experience Matters podcast listeners, you've been hearing from Kathleen Lynham, executive coach and senior advisor here at the Healthcare Experience Foundation, discussing takeaways from a really, really important article, 10 Things Your Corporate Culture Needs to Get Right. This came in the MIT Sloan Management Review. It was out in September of 2021 in the fall. But really evergreen, timeless content. And I will make sure that with this podcast description, we include a direct link to that article, which is free and available now. Kathleen, another great show with you on here. Please, any other final takeaways that you want to leave us with before we wrap it up? You know, I always have to end with something, Casey, and I was thinking about it. What I would suggest anyone who's listened to this should be 
as they're listening, as long as they're not driving, write down the top five stories, most common stories or concepts that come to mind when they think about their own organization. And then they should consider what are they doing to add to those stories, complement them, or improve them. And, and, and also, you know, Stephen Covey was so brilliant, you know, years ago and all his work, you know, the circle of influence, cultures can differ within departments. And although executives have the highest level of, of an organization, they affect the organization culture as a whole, every leader has the ability to influence the culture in their service area, in their influence of control and who they can influence. And the one of the most important factors that they can control is the level of psychological safety within their own division, area, department, service. And that a high level of psychological safety is where people are comfortable and confident to share, share an opinion, to be innovative, to to be vulnerable. And I'll tell you, I'm sure there's articles and research out there that will show you those are the elements of a really healthy culture. So I encourage you to not be dissuaded by the corporate culture and recognize each one of us who are our leader have a, have a job and a responsibility to do for the people who we work with. Yeah, I, I will let that be the final word for today's episode. I have nothing possibly more valuable that I could add to the conversation. Kathleen, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Stay well and take care. Thank you, Casey. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.